And we'll read together the Word of God in Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. Reading in Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, commencing at verse 1. Luke chapter 19 and verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Ending a reading here at verse 10. And may the Lord be pleased to add his own blessing to the public reading of his precious word. We will open our Bibles together in Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. And in verse 7, the crowd in the city of Jericho, they said of the Lord Jesus, he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. He has gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. The Lord, the Father's perfect servant. He lived an impeccable life before men. The Lord Jesus went about doing good, and yet our Lord's motives were so often questioned. He had to endure the contradiction of sinners against himself. The Lord said to his disciples, Marvel not if the world hit you. It hated me 
before it hated you. We know that the Lord did not escape the the tongue of the slanderer. His detractors, they said, he was a Samaritan. He had a devil. He was accused of sedition and blasphemy. The Lord was said to be a glutton and a wine-bibber. Here in the city of Jericho, the unthinkable happened as the Lord passed through. He called a man, no ordinary man. He called Zacchaeus, who was the very chief of the tax collectors. The Lord said to the man who was regarded as an outcast by the Jews, I must abide at thy house. When the Pharisees and the people in general saw what happened, aghast, they said in the words of our text, he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Zacchaeus had identified himself with the Romans. He was on their payroll. He gathered their taxes, much to the grief and annoyance of society. An exclusion cordon was placed around tax collectors. They were the untouchables, regarded by all as moral lepers. None would entertain Zacchaeus. His house was given a wide berth. But now the Lord has gone to be guest with the man recognized and regarded by all in this city as a sinner. In what is said in our text, there is hope and cheer. What an encouragement all of us must bear in the sight of God, the label, a sinner. Not one of us can say, I am without sin. None are innocent. All are guilty of the great transgression. But what a cheering word is this. As the Lord met with Zacchaeus and supplied his every need, sought and saved him, he can meet with you so that before God you are complete in him. So let us look at our text in four ways. First of all, the truth of the statement. The entrance of the Lord into the home of Zacchaeus, it raised eyebrows. It astonished, it surprised the crowd. But in reality, there was nothing unusual about what what was now happening 
in Jericho. What was said on this occasion was full of resentment, malice, and reproach. It was critical and condemnatory. But there's a wonderful truth in this statement. It's an incontestable fact that the Lord was and is the friend of sinners. Some said in a derogatory way, he's a friend of publicans and sinners. They said this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Those are true statements. They are statements of fact. We have read here in Luke chapter 19, the verse 10. What does it say? For the Son of Man, the Lord, is come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Lord came with this express purpose to seek and to save the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Not only that, he came to seek Gentile sinners. We remember how Paul could say in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And by these terms, Jew and Greek, We understand all peoples, all nationalities. The Lord came to save the whosoever. The Word of God describes us as sheep who have gone astray. The Lord who is the Good Shepherd, He spoke that wonderful parable in Luke chapter 15. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until until he find it? The verse 5 of Luke 15. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing, And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Zacchaeus, he did not come to the Lord. The the Lord came to Jericho and sought him out from the crowd. While he was yet a sinner, the Lord said to him, Today I must abide at thy house. What about your condition, your standing? 
in the eyes of God. Have you considered it? Have you thought about it? Maybe you say, I have kept the commandments from my youth up. I have lived an exemplary life. I'm not a bad person. Who ever heard of a Savior for those who are not lost? Who ever heard of a Redeemer for those not enslaved? Or heard of medicine for the healthy? Or pardon for the innocent? Those are all needless things. And if you're not a sinner, then there is no salvation for you. The Lord left heaven. He left the Father's throne. And he came to the cross on Calvary's hill to seek and to save the lost. You and I who are lost and perishing in our sin. And the Lord is still seeking sinners, still calling you in this service this evening. Oh, that hearing his voice, you would not harden your heart. Oh, that you would prepare to meet thy God. Life presents a whole series of preparation. Many are preparing now for the commencement of a new school term. Everything is being put in place for the children. But the greatest preparation is to prepare to meet God. The truth of the statement. But we see also in our text the tenderness of the Savior. Zacchaeus had made a name for himself by his crooked and perverse ways. If the tax levy was set at 15%, Zacchaeus would have inflated the figure maybe to 25%. And what was over and above, he put in to his own coffers. It was for that reason when he became a Christian in verse 8, Zacchaeus said, That which I have taken from any man by false accusation, I will restore him fourfold. No wonder he was ostracized and shunned by society. As far as the crowd was concerned, it mattered not what became of Zacchaeus. The religious leaders, those Pharisees, so strong in the holier-than-thou attitude, they condemned him. Their empty ritual, rites and ceremonies offered no hope to Zacchaeus. They reckoned him beyond the pale. And they were beside themselves because the Lord did not turn his back on such a noted sinner. 
The Lord, verse 5, said today, Today, Sikais, I must abide at thy house. And isn't this a must of the most tender compassion? Others had no compassion, no thought for this man. The Lord's heart overflowed with tender love. He could not bear to see Zacchaeus die in his sins and go to hell. The Lord went to be guest with Zacchaeus so that he might be saved. The scribes and the Pharisees in John chapter 8, they brought to the Lord the woman taken in adultery. Oh, they were ready to stone her. And in verse 7 of John chapter 8, the Lord put it to them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. The Lord's heart of compassion went out to this woman. And one by one, those scribes and Pharisees, they put their stones down and retreated. And the Lord said to the woman in verse 11, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Oh, the Lord's heart, you see, is all compassion. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. As the Lord looked over Jerusalem, his eyes swelled with tears over the hardness of the hearts of its people. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37. Here was the Lord's cry. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. The Lord would often have gathered them. And the Lord's hands are outstretched to you in your sin, outstretched all the day. Oh, that you would come to him in all your need. The Lord exhorts you to come, encourages you to come, in the words of Isaiah 1 and verse 18, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. As the Lord was full of compassion, so may we who are his May our hearts have a similar compassion. Do you look, believer, at people and conclude they are beyond redemption? There's no point in praying for 
are approaching that person. No point in evangelizing that particular area. Have we become hard-hearted, indifferent? Must I go and empty-handed? Must I meet my Savior so? Not once one soul with which to greet him. Must I empty-handed go? O ye saints, arise, be earnest, up and work while it is day. Ere the night of death overtake you, strive for souls while you may. May we have a heart of tender compassion just like the Lord. But then thirdly, we see the timely summons. The Lord longing to be the guest of Zacchaeus in verse 5. He said to him, Make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Among the press, the crowd that day in Jericho, Zacchaeus was the one whom the Lord drew to himself. And what can we say of this? This was a, a, a gracious summons. There's an illustration here of salvation, all of grace. Clearly, when we look at Zacchaeus, there was no merit whatsoever in him. He was totally undeserving. J.C. Ryle commenting, he said, If ever there was a soul sought and saved without having done anything to deserve it, that soul was the case. He received a gracious summons. And salvation is all of grace. Ephesians 2 and verse 8, By grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It was a personal summons. He was called by name. In his house, the Lord spoke to Zacchaeus face to face. To be saved, you must come personally, individually. Pilate realized the personal nature of salvation. When he, he asked, what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ before God? We're all individuals. The Lord says of his people in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 1, I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. And that call is still going forth. The Lord is calling you by your name to himself. Calling you to repent, 
to break off with your sin, calling you to saving faith, to simple childlike trust in the finished work of his cross. It's a gracious summons. It's personal. It's a pressing summons. Do you see how the Lord said to, to Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. And isn't this the language of urgency? As far as Zacchaeus was concerned, it was now or never. It was a fleeting opportunity for the Lord would never ever be in Jericho again. And in the matter of the soul's salvation, you must make haste. You must come now while you hear the Lord's voice. Time is not on your side. Soon it will be no more. Soon you will be in the great eternity. Eternity where is the question? Oh, we cannot boast ourselves of tomorrow, for we know not what a day may bring forth. Cromwell wrote to his friends in the Civil War, saying, There's nothing to be feared but our own sin and sloth. Oh, have done with your own sin and your dithering, your sloth in regard to salvation. Seek the Lord with all your heart. May your prayer be, pass me not. O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While in others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. And then in the fourth place, we see the transformation of saving grace. It is ever so plain when we think of the life of this tax collector. It's illustrated that the Lord is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. What a transformation we see in Zacchaeus. What do we see? We see the fruit of righteousness. The man's life is completely turned around. That which he wrongfully extorted from others, verse 8, he said, I will restore fourfold. He not only restored the amount stolen, he went over and beyond that. The old paths and practices clearly are forsaken. Zacchaeus, he puts things right. He begins to live godly and righteously. It wasn't long until the people of Jericho realized a genuine work of grace. Something has happened. Something wonderful 
in Zacchaeus' life. What has happened? He has become a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In the transformation, we see, we see righteousness, the fruit of righteousness, but also we see a free man. In verse 9, the Lord could say to him this day, is salvation come to this house? The man knew pardon. He knew forgiveness. The chains that bound him to his life of sin were broken. John's Gospel, chapter 8 and verse 32, the Lord Jesus said, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The Word of God is referred to in the book of James as the perfect law of liberty. All those who hear the gospel and embrace it, they are brought out of the chains of their sin, brought out of spiritual bondage into glorious freedom and liberty. We see the fruits of righteousness. We see a free man and we see a family man, spiritually speaking. For the verse 9, the Lord can say he also is a son of Abraham. Oh, he was a Jew by birth, by the new birth. He's now a part of the real Israel. He's a member of the family of the redeemed, a family, the family of God. Speaking of the Lord, in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 15, Paul can say, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Oh, what a blessing for you to be able to say that you're part of the Lord's family, that you're one of his children. Like Abraham, Zacchaeus believed in the Lord and it was counted to him for righteousness. The Lord's the same this evening. He's still transforming lives, still saving the lost. Oh, that you would seek him. Trust him for your soul's salvation. The Lord has said, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else. There's none else can speak to your heart the word of pardon. Nothing but the blood of the Lord Jesus shed on the cross can atone for your sins and bring you nigh to God. Oh, that this evening, wherever you are, you would turn with your whole heart 
and that your soul would be saved and your life transformed just as it was with Zacchaeus. The Lord is the mighty to save. May you seek him and find him as your own Savior and Redeemer.